Thanks for tuning in to the Undercuts review of the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen and enjoy the show. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. By being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. We had the very first Las Vegas Grand Prix, the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix. It was kind of a shit show all weekend, so we've got a lot to get into, so let's jump right into it. But before the race weekend started, we had the little, what they call it, the Netflix cup. It was like the the matches, the match Netflix version of the match. So it had, if any of you didn't watch it, listeners... Um, it had a professional golfer match with a Formula One driver, and they did golf with these weird like mini games mixed into it. I don't know if you watched any of it, Mark. I did not. I, I shared it's my probably, probably. I thought it was a bit worth. overboard myself, so yeah. I didn't find time. Father of three, so yeah, it's tough yeah. To find that time, but you no, probably did. Tell you did, what happened. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Um, <laughs> pretty much the the highlights were that Carlos and. I think he was with Justin Thomas. They won, which is not surprising because Carlos is like very widely good. considered a very, very good golfer. Yeah, Pierre Gasly almost killed somebody with a golf ball. Um, I mean, if you watched him playing, he's he's really pretty bad. Um, and I think he was kind of like everyone knew that that was the case going in. Um, but he had one shank, which, you know, anybody that plays golf knows that happens quite often and it went straight into the crowd luckily nobody got hurt i but, can't believe um, there's crowds forming around the tee boxes with amateurs playing. <laughs> yeah yeah it was wild it, it was quite a big crowd for what it was but i mean i guess people were there for the race weekend anyway it was just another thing so for them the, to do. it was in vegas the golf it was right next to the track okay it was literally the dome was like right next to the golf course which was in the track so (laughs) it was i mean i guess it it was cool to see them in a different element but it was pretty poorly done honestly (laughs) they probably could have done without it um and then let's um let's jump into the race weekend so we had usually we don't talk about practice but we kind of have to this weekend and let me say my piece first before i bring it over to the ferrari guy so in fp1 we saw very early on Carlos going down the main straight, the strip, and bottoming out on what was a drain cover of some sort, some sort of manhole cover, something like that, which totally destroyed his car. Now, I will say I thought that him getting a 10-spot grid penalty was very harsh. I mean, it's obviously not for the one event happening it's for how much they've used throughout the season but still it seemed pretty harsh but everybody was getting on mercedes so hard because i guess they blocked there, there was the idea that they could have not had the penalty i don't remember what f- specific term that they used but mercedes essentially blocked it and a lot of people were super pissed off about it but you know i'm honestly less upset with the stewards than i am with mercedes personally just because I feel like if the roles were reversed, Ferrari would have done the exact same thing. That's my only my only piece to say, but it seemed like the 10 spot grid penalty was very harsh. And I'm curious to hear what you think about it. So uh huge Ferrari fan, but um probably a bigger rule follower by nature, by core. Uh I'm okay with it. I, I wasn't happy with wow. it, of course, but it, it, Rules are rules, like they say, you know, and if that's the way the rules are designed, then this is a learning opportunity for F1 to update those rules and, you know, fix it for the future. But for sure, I'm not looking for exceptions when you know random things happen all the time and, and you can't just suddenly bend the rules because something didn't unexpected happen. And um, so, yeah, it stunk, it stunk. I totally felt really bad for, for uh, Ferrari and of course, Carlos, but it is what it is, you know. Yeah, I mean, especially because of how fast Ferrari was all yeah, all yeah. weekend. I mean, uh, it was a shame. But imagine I'm, I'm, this was Ferrari fighting Red Bull for a championship. Right. Then, right. You know, uh, I I think part of the uh, outrage has probably something to do. Obviously, American race, new track, 
and how many new fans do we have to the sport that their expectations are based around NFL, you know, baseball, other other sports that have well-established rules that don't have as much controversy as F1 brings to the table. So I can understand why there's probably a lot of that just outlash and but, you know, again, it, it's the sport and the rules are the rules. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that because I was talking to a family friend of mine who is relatively new to the sport as as I am. And, you know, she was talking about how it's so like unsportsmanlike or what, whatever, whatever phrase she said. But it's it's like I've, I've seen this happen so many times. These teams make these kind of challenges all the time. I didn't really have that big of a problem with it, especially after the release of the Braun documentary when watching all of the fiasco with the double diffuser and all of that. And Ferrari was like the charge of that, you know, reckoning, so to speak. So, um, no, yeah, that's a really, really good point about the newer American fans definitely have a different perspective in, in watching this. Yeah. Continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's P-I-N-E-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a one-of-a-kind fantasy Formula One contest at coopsf1.com. That's C-O-O-P-S-F number one dot com, where you can put your theories to the test. All right, so let's jump into qualifying. In Q1, let's see, Lando was just, I guess they decided just not to bring him out for a final lap, and that ended up costing him. Neither him or Oscar made it through Q1, along with Okan, Joe, and Yuki. So the last three, not huge surprises, but both of the McLarens, after whatever that stretch of time was where they were looking very, very good, two races now where they at least have not been able to qualify well. What a blow. I mean, millions, millions of dollars lost literally from yeah. that session. Um, unexpected. I think they saw trouble coming, but it seemed like they didn't expect it to be that bad. So yeah. they just couldn't fire the tires up. You know, it, it, it just stunk. You knew some stuff like this was going to happen though. You know, who yeah. was it going to be and how it would play out? I think everybody thought Ferrari was going to be strong, which they were, and some teams would be weaker. But yeah, it was a, it was kind of heartbreaking. Well, yeah, it certainly was for me. That's not what I was expecting. And I uh, made it evident in my Coops lineup. But um, yeah, yeah, very disappointing from McLaren coming into this race. And I, you know, they're very heavily backed by American companies. So I know that they were dishing out a lot of money to sponsors and whatnot all weekend. So I'm sure they would have wanted to do better in qualifying. But, um, you know, it definitely shook up the grid because in Q2, we also had Lewis and Checo both out in the second session. Although I feel like we've seen that a few times already this this year, um, at least with Checo not being able to make it through. Um, through Q2. And then with Nico, Lance, and Danny also out in that session. Um, I yeah, guess not, yeah, not really I big mean, surprises there. Lewis, he's had a, a, a volatile season, but um, the difference between him and George this weekend was probably the biggest highlight, considering how close they've been and mostly Lewis always dominating George. Um, yeah, at least not, I shouldn't year, say yeah. dominating, but clearly, uh, you know, a step above George. So it was definitely surprising to see him out. Checo, you know, it's like another, every other weekend he seems to be in you know, Q2 or Q3 or, you know, not making it to where he should be. So not totally a surprise. Yeah, but I mean, the biggest surprise in all of qualifying is both of the Williams not only making it through to Q3, but... What did they seal out the third row? Yeah, I think they were what fifth or six sixth, and right? seven or something like that. Yeah, maybe they got beat out the, at the end. Great for Logan and his third home race of the year. Um, he really needed a qualifying session like that, and you could okay. tell if I don't know if you heard his like radio call afterwards when he found out where he was, but he was super excited, and that was great for him. Maybe he's you know, finally figuring it out towards the end of the season. <laughs> I would Hopefully. think it gives him some confidence because, you know, my thought process was, okay, totally new track for everybody. Like, you know, an unknown for all of them. And 
his opportunity to be as equal as it could possibly be and finally show up. I mean, yeah, their car obviously was doing well in Vegas, but to be right by Albon, I thought it was a very, I mean, who doesn't think it was a great performance by him to, to show up like that with, you know, without crashing. And I'm, I'm sorry to bring that over it, but you know, but really, a lot of times you know. this is the moments that, you know, you're like, Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he puts it in the wall. So it was nice to see him perform, especially knowing that like they were, mostly on a level playing field to see where he could actually put himself. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, we spoke about how Carlos got the 10-spot grid penalty, but still, Charles, I believe it's his third pole in the last four races? Third pole in the last four races. Carlos and him locking out the front row, although Carlos ended up dropping back. Um, Really, really impressive lap times from, from Ferrari during qualifying. Not not surprising. You yeah. Know, you, you kind of felt it building. I mean, even before the weekend started, but solidified even from the first session and uh, they carried it through. But yeah, I mean, they looked strong and, and, and not too surprising. Yeah. Um, and I guess we should we should talk about how I mean, I, I guess thinking about the race, I never we and we talked about it during the last episode, but I never thought about the temperature and how cold it would be doing this race at night in Vegas during this time. And that just suited Ferrari because they're always having trouble, you know, keeping the tire deck down. It was just a perfect storm for, for the ponies. One of the few complaining. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. All right. So that is it for qualifying. Um, Let's get into some of the pre-race stuff because that was fairly interesting. I don't know if you saw, um, like the pre-race show that Sky does, but they had Jared Leto creepily speaking the words to Viva Viva Las Vegas super slowly. They did it twice during it. Um, That was odd. It was awkward. (laughs) Yeah, it was super awkward. And he's just kind of a strange dude, even as it is. Like, I don't blame him because that probably fits him perfectly. But yeah, yeah, just, I don't know. Is that supposed to hype you up for what's about to happen to have some very... Uh, monotonish, dull, yeah. artsy, whatever, uh, you know. Yeah, very Nothing. strange. It would have been better if they had just like shown an old clip of Elvis than what <laughs> that was. Um, very weird. Um, and then, of course, you know, people that don't watch, sometimes they show it like on social media or maybe they'll show the end of it during the pre-race show, but they do like the parade where all the drivers sit in the classic cars and Oscars leaked oil all over the dirty side of the track, like right before the race, right as the the, the talk started with with Martin Brundle and Simon and all of those guys. Um, it was just looking like a disaster all the way around. And I think I said that at this point in our group chat because I was the only one that stayed up, I think, to watch it. Um, but I was just like, yeah, it's just getting worse and worse. Um, there's just I, always things going I get going there about wrong. saving money and, and, and all that, but... Like, can they not afford some like electronic cars, battery powered car? Like, think about the what they're doing. You know, they're on the track. You know, yeah. if, can you imagine if they were driving cars on a basketball court before the game started right. or something like that? You know, come on. Like, you know, something could happen. Yeah. It'd be tough to clean up. So hopefully they learn from it. Yeah, doesn't but they've been like doing this for a long I know. time. Doesn't seem right? like they will. It's part of the history. I, yeah. I get it. But you know, you put put some batteries in those cars, get the yeah. get the possibility of that kind of stuff out of the you know, out of the realm. Yeah, that shouldn't be part of something that the drivers have to deal with. Um the grid walk was total madness. Martin got shut down by Shaq. He just he, he's he's not a tall guy, so he couldn't even see what where anybody was. There were so many people on the grid. It was it was even madness. if you're a tall guy, you're not going to be looking no. anywhere near tall next to Shaq. Well, yeah, I, no. I was surprised. Shaq's usually like a very you know uh, talkative guy, so yeah. I thought it was weird that he wasn't interested in talking at all. Who knows? But you know, yeah. how many of Martin's? I think there's been way more awkward moments with Martin on the on the grid walk than there have been like actual normal moments. I mean, personally, I enjoy the awkward moments way more yeah. than I like because the, of Martin, the normal ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so hilarious that he just doesn't care and he'll say whatever is on his mind. So yeah, it, he makes it great. I always like it when he, he he says this occasionally, and I think he said it during this time. He's like, "I've had a pretty successful career. I don't care what he thinks about me." <laughs> it's just like so funny. 
And then uh, lastly, from the pre-race stuff, Donny Osmond sang the national anthem and he sounded amazing. He sounded so good. And he's like, I don't, I couldn't tell you one of the Osmond twin songs or anything, but I don't know how old he is. He's got to be in his seventies at least. And he sounded really, really good. He's been keeping Um, the vocals nice. Yeah, that was super impressive. I'm a singer. So I found that incredibly impressive how he sounded. That was great. And then, uh, so that was it for the pre-race, and let's jump right into the race stuff. So on lap one, obviously, because uh, Carlos got pushed back, Max was on the front row with with Charles, um, with the cold tires and the cold track. I mean, it was inevitable that some people were going to be, you know, kind of at least going a little bit understeering, but um, it looked to me like Max pushed Charles off the track pretty uh, aggressively. Uh, I mean, they both went off the track, so it seemed pretty aggressive on my end. I had a lot of violent thoughts going through my head, uh, for sure. I I generally, you know, everybody knows Max is a very aggressive driver, so um, it's not like a total surprise, but sometimes he just pushes the limits so far uh, and then, of course, his reaction uh, as he talked with the, the team about it, uh, send my regards or whatever he said, it just yeah. makes it like the sting is like, oh, um, and I think it was who was saying it. Um, I forget who said it, but they, they first were talking about, oh, you know, he, he didn't make the corner. Uh, he pushed him wide and, you know, there's po- potential for or a penalty. But what were they, they were saying at first that it was because. I forget one thing, but then somebody else was correcting them and saying like, no matter what, you have to leave race room and can't go off the track as well. You know, I think yeah. it was that they weren't leaving. He wasn't leaving race room, but ignoring the fact that he also went all four tires off the track. Yeah. So it was like a two banger of clearly you can't do that. And yeah. whether lap one or not, turn one or not, low grip or not, you can't do that and consider yeah. that fair racing. So it was frustrating even non Ferrari fan or not, it was a little ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Max did end up getting a five second penalty for that, but that penalty seemed too lenient to me and he should have just given the place back. Yeah. I don't understand why they didn't just deal with it right away, I guess because, and we'll get into it. There was the, you know, crash. It wasn't really much of a crash, but a couple cars spinning and bumping into each other and causing some damage. But I guess maybe that's why they didn't deal with it right away. But he was already, you know, three seconds down the road by the time the penalty came out. Max has um, never given a spot back. I can't yeah. remember the the tr- the races and the moments, but there's I can think of one moments. time. Really? Abu Dhabi 2021. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think but, he, they, but they told him. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like he he's not going to just, I guess not many racers would, but. Yeah, it's a rarity, so I didn't expect him to give it back. He was going to either have to be forced to or, or given a penalty. And I agree, the penalty was a bit of a joke, um, yeah. considering where he was at that moment. It turned out to be less of a joke than we thought, but yeah. uh, at the time, and and I think going forward, to improve the racing of F1, I've been, I've been preaching this for a while, we are robbed of greatness. Can you imagine if they had a penalty that they knew was going to come that would force Max or whoever is doing that to give that room and to see two cars like Charles and Max go on lap one side by side for three, four, five corners, battling it out fairly. Yeah. That would be such a better race to watch. Yeah. I can't stand when they talk about, oh, if the axles are even, it's this guy's corner. Like, give the room, create yeah. better racing, make the rules so that we see guys going side by side more, not just half a corner and then it's this guy's corner and he wins it. You know, yeah. I, I'd much rather see that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally with you. And then towards a couple rows behind Max and Charles. So I guess it was Alonzo is the one that spun out, um, which we don't see from him all that often, but it caused him to crash into Botas, who got rear-ended by Checo, and I think Carlos was caught in that somewhere also, um, which ultimately ended up bringing out only a virtual safety car, but, you know, with the the cold tires on the cold track, I guess that we were expected to see that on lap one, and luckily it wasn't anything too too crazy yet. 
<laughs> well, and who knows how that oil spill, if, you know, I think it was Carlos or somebody said that the oil spill did have some impact on that race start. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was surprising. Like, this is the second time. I can't remember if it was Brazil or where Alonso has made a That's bit of right. a rookie That's move right. uh, in, in recent races, but not an Alonso expectation to see him just lose it like that, especially going yeah. so slow, but clearly yeah. that's how slippery it was. Um, and then it only took a couple more laps. Lap three, where Lando lost it pretty hard and spun out, crashed into the barrier very hard, bringing out a safety car. There was debris all over the place. Um, he ended up going to the hospital. Um, I believe he was okay. I think I've seen pictures of him since then. But um, yeah, it was looking pretty scary at first. It was a pretty brutal crash. I mean, it was understeer, snap oversteer. And thankfully, he didn't drill it into the wall and that turn. You know, he was able to get off into that runner, runoff area and go into yeah. the wall there. But yeah, I think they said they're going one, what, 170, I think there. Yeah, I mean, crazy. that could have been really bad. He could have yeah. been out for a while. Um, so I think fortunate, but also unfortunate, obviously, because I think McLaren could have made some, you know, Oscar proved that they could have done yeah. some damage in the race compared to how they qualified. Absolutely. Um, and if this had been a car of, you know, 10 years ago, who knows how that crash would have been. So, yeah. you know, glad that he's okay. Took them you know, a good four whole laps in order to get the safety car back in. Then we get George saying how it's so cold that it feels like they're driving on wets, which is like we saw that at Brazil, too, when it was super windy, how it felt like it the, the track was wet when it wasn't. So um, I had never heard that before, and we've heard that twice in two race weekends now. So that was strange. Um, Max got a pretty crazy jump on the restart, but um, I don't know if you saw how he like broke really hard right in front of Charles. So Charles had to break really hard, almost rear-ended him. And then Max just went as Charles was on his brakes. Part um, of me was already, you know, uh, still steaming from what happened right. a few laps before. And I'm like, just drill him, just send them. Yeah. But of course, that's not going to end well for Charles either. So he, he had to break harder. And then, yeah, Max just had a huge gap after that turn. And, you know, um, Max, you got to give it to him. He knows every trick in the bag yeah. to just, you know, just walk that edge so, so tightly. So, you know, he is very good at these restarts. I haven't seen any, at least current driver be able to do it as well as he does when he just gets that gap almost every time. As soon as the safety car is coming in, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, we saw Oscar make a pretty amazing move. It was him and Yuki going side by side. It's kind of like, the S's at Silverstone, it's kind of what it looks like on the, on those turns. But Oscar being bold, um, getting back up into the points. Also, Lewis made another move at the, at the same spot on the next lap um, where he was super, super aggressive, um, being able to take P11 from, from Yuki. That, that move was crazy from Lewis. He was being very ballsy there. Yeah, like you said, him and Oscar, there was quite a few moves that they looked very aggressive and you wondered if they were going to hold the turn and they made it. So it, there was very good racing right from the get go and, you know, for us to watch. Yeah. I mean, not what we were expecting. I think everyone was expecting kind of a dull race after a couple laps, but um, we had nonstop action through most of it. Um, and then this is where Max ended up getting his five second penalty. Pierre was starting to try and line up George Pierre still in P4. Really, really good job from him so far in this race. We got a couple back and forth passes between Oscar and Kevin for P8, which Oscar was finally able to make stick on lap 10. And then so lap 12, this is when the drivers who either started on hard tires or or one of the guys that pit under one of the early safety cars to hard tires started really moving up the grid. Um, Lewis passed Kevin down the strip really easily and was able to get up into P9. What did we hear from the Ferrari engineer? Oh, right. So Carlos, I don't remember who he was stuck behind for so long. It was a couple drivers. I don't remember who the final pass was, but yeah, this was when they were giving him. I, I was concerned. I'm like, oh no, because they I mean, they said it a couple times, like you need to cool the car down, or we're going to have to stop you. 
So in such cool temperatures, but I think the announcers explained that, you know, they basically just covered off all the duck work and, and all the vents to right. just create less drag, uh, to be quicker down the straights. But you know, yeah, you can see how quickly these cars are just going to explode if they don't get enough air flowing through them. Yeah, it's crazy. And then Logan had been going pretty well for a while, but he ended up going wide on lap 14, which made it so that Ocon could get right by him. And then Lewis got right by him after that. So Logan started dropping back at this point, just after like two or three turns, he went from P6 to P8. Like we had said earlier, it looked like maybe the penalty wasn't going to be enough. Charles wouldn't be able to catch up any time but now he's back within drs range on max i don't i can't remember a time we've seen that from someone other than a red bull being able to catch back up to max this is where you started to really see the tires making a huge impact in this race you know you started to see it like you said earlier on lap 12 with the hard tire guys starting to make ends against the medium tires but right suddenly max is I don't want to say falling off a cliff, but clearly losing the advantage. Um, and they were talking about it, how Charles just went out softer on the tires. And that was a big thing for this weekend that you cannot cook those tires on the early laps because the graining was going to be legit. I think it was the front right that was getting impacted the most, maybe the front left. Um, but suddenly we see, a, a you know, it was a couple laps where you started to see, okay, he was like 2.5 and then 2.4 and 2.1. And, and suddenly he was down to 1.5 yeah. and uh, it just, the gap kept shrinking and you know that Max wasn't just easing up. Um, no. you know, at that point it was clear there was, there was a difference in performance in the cars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the next lap, George was the first of the top guys to pit. Um, and then Charles made a pretty nice move on Max. I mean, we had heard over the radio that Max was going to be pitting, so I'm sure he wasn't, you know, battling too hard against him, but still a nice move for Charles right before I think turn 14 is where it is that last turn before the, the strip straight, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so very nice for him and back into the lead. And then Max immediately goes into the pits. Um, Albon and Oscar pit here as well. And then we had a little contact between Lewis and Oscar. It looked like it was just tire on tire, but Oscar went right into the pits smartly. Lewis went around for another lap and he ended up having a puncture and he dropped way back because of that. In uh, in a rather slow corner, not some high speed corner where the ty- tires are all charged up, but you know, it just shows obviously how delicate a lot of the cars are from that side impact versus, you know, sometimes from the front or rear. Uh, yeah, I mean, the rim must have caught it at the right angle and just put enough pressure into it to uh, to create that. Yeah, and apparently, like, the team didn't tell Oscar to come in. He just had a little feeling from that one touch, and he just brought it in. So good on him. And then we see so Checo, who had been part of the contact on lap one, pit on lap two after that is now in P2 on hard tires. I mean, they're they've been the whole race minus a lap or two, but Checo is making something out of this race that looked like it was doomed from the first lap. Um, really impressive from Checo there. Such a lucky man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It really worked out for him there. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's had enough bad luck on this season that, True. uh, he can have a little a little luck going his way. Um, let's see. Lap 20, Joe had been holding up Max for quite a while, and Max was, you know, ultimately able to make it stick and getting by him with another really brave move. I think late breaking into turn 14, which is where we saw a lot of the passing yeah. during the race. But we expect that from Max doing that. And then Ocon comes in for his pit. Charles finally on lap 22 comes in to pit from the lead. Um, He made those mediums last for a really, really long time and then went on to the hard tires, which seemed to be the better ones Um, coming out only in P3 behind Lance. And I guess Checo was in P1 at that point. Yeah. And Charles Um, had a slow stop there, if I remember correctly. That's right. Nothing crazy, but... Slow enough where suddenly Carlos was, I think, less than a second behind him. So I yep. wondered, is this the moment Ferrari's going to blow it and, you know, let Char- uh, Carlos go by or, or right. something? But thankfully, he was able to kind of settle in and, and get going pretty quickly. 
Um, Alonzo dropped back pretty fast. I think he he obviously also pit early on, but he got passed by George and Max within just a couple corners, dropping down to P7. And then George down the strip was able to get by Carlos fairly easily. And then at the end of the straight, Max squeezed by Carlos. So Carlos lost two places on one straight, essentially. Yeah. Um, pretty brutal for him. Carlos really kind of struggled getting back up the field with the pace that, that Charles had. I was kind of surprised that maybe just whatever the contact was on lap one did enough damage to his aerodynamics. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. You know, I, I was chalking it up to just, you know, again, this crazy track and, and conditions that we saw a lot of differences between the drivers, maybe driving style affecting the temperature of the tires or how they were able to make them last because obviously car, uh, Charles did an outstanding job with those mediums, um, better than probably anybody, but yeah, Carlos didn't have the best race. He didn't have the worst race, but just as you see Charles having such a great race, you you thought Carlos would be able to do something similar from, uh, from the back and and also seeing Checo to doing what he was doing. So a little surprising. Yeah. And then on lap 24, no lap 25. So live and maybe with what happened on lap one, I was a little biased, but it seemed live that Max went wide again, crashing into George, damaging George's front wing, but still taking P4. Um, I guess I will admit that uh, when they showed the replays, it did look like George kind of just didn't even realize he was there and just turned in on him. And I think George did take responsibility for it after the race was over. Um, I didn't get to watch the post-race interview, so I wondered how that was going to be talked about because uh, I agree it seemed very ambitious, of course, by Max. Uh, yeah. But then when they showed the replay, you could see George was definitely going for the apex. You yeah. know, He was not planning on leaving room. They have history, maybe intentional, who knows. But I guess if he talked about it after and, and apologized, maybe not. I don't know if he apologized, but during the media pen, he said it was his fault. So. Okay. Um, I don't know if he had any conversation with Max after that. I'm sure they don't talk. Yeah, (laughs) probably not. Christmas cards being exchanged. Yeah, I don't think Red Bull and Mercedes get along all that well. Yeah, and that brought out a safety car because of all the debris on the track. Uh, Took another four laps for the safety car to come back in. Charles got a pretty nice jump on the restart. Checo was more under pressure behind him from Pierre, at least on that first lap, then he was putting pressure on Charles ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said before, Pierre was Pierre, both Alpines were, Yeah, I I mean, totally unexpected on on my part. I didn't see them doing well at this track and uh, it was pretty cool to see them both up there, uh, you know, for as long as they were. Yeah. It's been a while since we've seen Alpine really do anything all year. I mean, they've had a couple races here and there where they've done well or at least gotten double points, but yeah running fairly high on the uh, on the grid is great. And then George got a five-second penalty here for his incident with Max. Um, so at least this, we know where the stewards landed on that. And then at the end of that lap, at turn 14, Checo was able to take P1 from Charles, taking the inside line there. It seemed like Charles maybe went a little wide. Or just didn't even really realize he was there. But a pretty nice move from Checo and into the lead of the race. Unfortunate for Charles. Yeah. he. I mean, Checo had the downforce. You know, I think they talked a lot about how Ferrari in general always has less downforce. And Max, I guess, went with a bit less downforce package. But Checo had gone with that uh, bigger wing. And it was paying off for him mostly. But of course, in the draft, that's going to always be uh, magnified to the yeah. strength of the car and, until you're on your own. So yeah, Max takes Oscar into pr- uh, turn 14 and takes P3. And then we see Alcon and Pierre battling back and forth for a while. Um, obviously, the, the radio messages are a little delayed and it really it's not always consistent how delayed they are, but we had heard 
the engineer for Ocon saying to hold position behind Pierre. And then almost immediately after that, Ocon just goes for it anyway and takes a spot from Gasly and takes P5. Um, but we've What'd seen that think? from Ocon so many times. <laughs> well, yeah. What were your feelings on this? I, 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 get, I know we didn't know exactly when that message came through, but I think everybody had a bit of probably feelings. <laughs> what, what I don't. I don't think I like Ocon very much. <laughs> I don't think he's liked by many people. Yeah, he. It just seems odd that every single one of his teammates have hated him. Like yeah. everyone. If you look at like his stuff with him and Checo at Racing Point. And then him and Alonzo at Alpine and then whatever happened with him and Pierre as kids and now back to being teammates. He's just everything's always everyone else's fault with him. He's not interested in making friends. That's for sure. No. Uh, it, it's funny because, you know, in his interviews, he seems like a likable guy. You know, he's he's got a bit of a personality, big smile and, and all that. But for sure, when the racing comes, I can see why other racers are not thrilled with him <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean depending on how that all went down if he did disobey team orders uh well if he did disobey team orders i am surprised that pierre wouldn't have retaliated you know pierre's yeah. not the nicest person out there as well he's very aggressive with his driving so yeah i would have thought that he was going to battle back even though if the team was telling him to to hold position but you know who knows and of course it wasn't much Longer after this, where Pierre really started falling back. Um, so maybe there was a message that we didn't hear that there was some sort of damage or they saw something on the telemetry that said that, you know, Pierre was going to be falling back. So maybe that's why they ended up switching. But it was just weird timing with when the radio message came and how it all happened. It, it was it was suspect. Um, but we've seen that from Alcon many times. And then lap 35, Charles takes P1 back from Checo at turn 14. He just outbra- he just outbraked him. And um, then Checo was under pressure for Max. And Checo, like you had said, he was on a different w- wing yeah. level than, Ch- than Checo or Max was than Checo. So he just didn't have the same straight line speed that Max had. Yeah. And he just ended up falling behind them. He couldn't keep up. Yeah, it's, uh, well, well, we'll get to more, but, you know, it just does seem like Checo has his opportunities yeah. and is struggles to capitalize. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Max took him easily down the straight. It was before turn 14 and he was easily ahead of him. And then on the very next lap, Max was able to take the lead again from Charles at that same spot where everything seemed to happen. Um, Let's see. George passed Albon at that same spot and was up into P8. um, But he still had the five-second penalty that he had to serve. Um, Albon lost two places going wide at one corner and then was immediately passed by Lewis. So he dropped from P8 to P12 in just a couple corners that was absolutely brutal for Albon. Oh, br- that's literally the word I was about to use. Brutal. I I, yeah. I didn't really pay too much attention to him at that point, other than knowing, like, oh wow, you know, Williams They're is doing, doing okay. well. Yeah. And then suddenly that happens, and all of a sudden it seems like the cliff was here for Williams, yeah. which really stunk. I mean, it would have been awesome to see them perform as well as the qualifying went. And, yeah. and thinking that, you know, this is track set up for their kind of car high speed and yeah. and all that. So yeah, it was tough to see him suddenly just dropping. Yeah. He was just losing the tires at that point. Um, a couple laps later, Charles locked up at turn 14 um, and he lost P2 to Checo. Um, Big and not, too. not yeah. only lost P2, but went instantly out of DRS range yeah. behind him. Like missed the corner by a mile. Yeah. Almost crashed into the wall. And I yeah. think he said like in the, the cool down room in the back of the Rolls Royce that he almost crashed into the wall there. It was very close. Not, not I mean, you know, we've seen Charles make mistakes, big mistakes, uh, plenty of times, which uh, thankfully it didn't turn into that. But yeah, yeah um, you know, not the time, especially, you know, he probably knew the tires were icy at that point. So yeah, he pushes. Yes, he does. Um, and Oscar who had gone medium, medium, strangely in the race 
um, or no, he went hard, hard, sorry, to start the race. So he, and they, they kept him out for a long time and he had to come in on lap 44. So what is that? Six or seven laps left onto new medium tires. And he had been running pretty high up there. He was like P five or P six somewhere up there. Yeah. Um, but dropped all the way down to P 12. Um, and then this is where I guess we heard maybe Pierre had a battery issue and he was falling. He fell from P10 or from P5 earlier in the race before Elcon passed him. And now he's almost out of the points in P10. Charles is able to get back to DRS range with Checo. Suddenly there's a chance. Yeah, there's there is still a chance. But then Nico pulled off into the runoff area, but it didn't cause you know, any stoppages in the race. And then Yuki pulled off in the exact same area on the next lap. So two retirements in a row. Well, applaud to the track designers, to the drivers for, for making that kind of stuff happen. You know, obviously the safety cars mix things up and and yeah, it makes it more exciting sometimes, but this race was exciting enough in my opinion. And to see those guys just finding the the pull off areas and just getting out of the way immediately to, to get back to green flag. I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, especially with, you know, three or four laps left in the race. Yeah. Um, I mean, the win was pretty fairly decided at this point, but there was still a lot going on. So that was great. Oscar overtook Pierre on the second to last lap to get back into the points. So poor Pierre out of the points. And then into turn 14 on the very last lap, Charles was able to underbreak Checo in a pretty unbelievable move to take P2 back. Um, that was awesome from Charles, especially with what happened with him locking up and almost crashing. That was that was great. I mean, unreal. I, I haven't screamed <laughs> in a while. Yeah. And I screamed so loud. My wife got scared and uh, obviously, you know, exciting for me, a Ferrari fan, a Charles fan. But like you said, Unbelievable move. Yeah. His tires had to have been worse than Checo's. Yeah. His downforce definitely lower than Checo's. It seemed like he was far enough back where that wasn't going to work. He yeah. stuck the apex. Like, unbelievable move. I mean, Charles, not that one move doesn't prove how good of a driver you are, but I think that highlighted how unbelievable a driver yeah. he is. It, it was amazing. It was exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he even had any space to get in there. I mean, maybe Checo just went a little bit wide and you were just looking at Charles and didn't realize it. But um, regardless, super impressive from Charles there to seal P2 for himself in this race. And to Checo's difficult season, I mean, back-to-back weeks, losing a, a position, a, a big position on the final turn of the final yeah. lap, uh, you know, dif- difficult to swallow. I would imagine yeah. for him, you know, he was, a, he was a gentleman after Brazil. He went up and hugged Alonzo during the post-race interviews and, and all that. And he handles it well, but man, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He should have had the advantage at least in that one turn. He should have had the advantage there. Um, it shouldn't have really, the, the door shouldn't have opened for Charles, but. He was able to make it happen, but Max wins again for the 18th time this season. Unreal. Unbelievable. With Charles and Checo rounding out the podium. Um, And then, like I alluded to a little bit earlier, instead of the traditional cool down room, they did this weird drive somewhere, I guess, to the Bellagio Fountain in the back of a Rolls Royce. Although I actually I liked that we could actually hear what they were saying. Yeah. I thought, I thought that it, other than them awkwardly sitting in the back of a Rolls Royce, I liked that we were able to really hear the conversation. Yeah. Um, it is cool to hear that and, and, and hear them cooling down or whatever, just discussing whatever they want to discuss. Yeah. But how, how does America make things so awkward? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We had the same things going on at Miami for di- yep. different points, the entry or whatever introductions and, yeah, they they just seem to not get it. The yeah. the the culture, the theme or whatever it is, it just seems to kind of fall off. Who knows? Maybe maybe there's plenty of fans that enjoy it and think it was all good, but um it seems like to the true F1 fans and I, I don't want to create some argument here or whatever, but it just seems weird. Yeah. 
And I can't tell if it's really like the American organizers, although I guess this one was organized by F1. Right. So I just feel like maybe F1 just has this weird perception of what American fans are. Right. And they just like give all of this crazy extravagance and think that this is what America wants. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree. It was very strange. <laughs> um, and then they like did the weird interviews in front of the fountain and then had to come all the way back to the to the pit lane to do the to do the podium. It was just very awkward, like you said. Um, very strange. Um, so winners and losers, obviously Max is always a winner. Um, you got to give Charles, I mean, he got pole position again. Um, you know, he didn't win, but still an unbelievable race from Charles. Um, well, on Charles real quick, we didn't talk too much about, there's been a bit of talk about how, uh, you know, the way that the safety cars came out and did Ferrari make a strategic bad decision or not. Um, I feel like I'm being unbiased in saying that I don't think this was a race where you can say it was Ferrari poor strategy. Uh, you know, I truly felt like this was more just coincidence, luck, whatever you want to call it, that it just didn't work out yeah. in his favor or Ferrari's favor. He also didn't have Charles supporting him up or uh, Carlos supporting him, you know, to try to fight for that win. Um, on the contrary, everybody was, you know, raving about how great of a race Checo had. And of course, you know, it, it was a good race, but. I mean, how many times does he have to start from the back to, for it to work out for him? And this happened yeah. to be the one. So, um, you know, I, I didn't think it was such poor planning on Ferrari. I, I kind of understood that they stayed out and it just didn't work out. Yeah. Nobody knew what the tires were going to do. I mean, at yeah. that point, I kind of was good, uh, good with him staying out on the hards. And it obviously was not the right decision or, or who knows. Even if he pitted, we don't know what would have happened. But yeah, I, I didn't think it was poor ferrari strategy i think it was just the way things were yeah yeah um alcon obviously a great race see what he ended up p4 finished yeah. p4 unbelievable from him and then aston martin let's see lance finished in p5 crazy and alonso finishing in p9 i mean not think great about where they were like three races ago they yeah. were off the planet i mean <laughs> suddenly the- they <laughs> What is the you know, let me look this up real quick. The the point it was looking like McLaren was gonna run away with what is it, P five in the or P four in the constructors. But with the last couple races, Aston Martin has brought it back. It's it's still very, very close. Lots to fight for for this final uh race. Ferrari Mercedes, Aston McLaren, you know, again, as we've said all season, if not for Red Bull, if not for Max. If not for this Max. would be the most amazing season, at least in our lifetime, for sure. Yeah. Although 2021 was pretty great. But so let's see. Mercedes is still in P2, but only four points ahead of Ferrari. And McLaren is only 11 points ahead of Aston Martin now. So yeah, we I will mean, see and about the way Aston's performing. Yeah. I mean. To have Lance Stroll come from where he was a few races ago to where he is now, you know, you, you can obviously rely on Alonzo to continue being Alonzo. And even he was struggling for, for some yeah. races. But, uh, yeah, they've kind of come out of nowhere all of a sudden again, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a McLaren fan, it's not ideal, but I'd rather see them battling than not, you know. Um, losers on the weekend, Lando obviously made that huge mistake and cost them points that could have kept this gap between McLaren and Aston Martin a lot bigger. Um, so that was unfortunate. Pierre with how Alcon was able to charge up the field, Pierre kind of losing, going backwards. Not great. Uh, Williams. Yeah. That's they must just, have been heartbroken. I think yeah. they had big expectations this weekend. At least double points, you know. Maybe they yeah. wouldn't have finished near where they started, but you know, trying to keep them in the points. I think they ended up like P thirteen and P. He was second to last. So crazy. Yeah, that's qualified seventh, eighth, whatever. Yeah, it was. seventh. I think crazy. that's awful. And then Mercedes. Just, uh, I mean, Lewis was able to get some points, which. I mean, considering we qualified, that's that's not too bad. But yeah, ahead just, of like George. I said earlier, uh, c- 
confusing weekend for them with everything going on. Him and George being so different on qualifying, and then yeah, him finishing ahead of George. I guess that was because of the five second penalty. George would have been P four if it weren't for that. Right, it was late in the race. So yeah, good point. Yeah. Anything else you want to add for the race? I guess here, let me pull up Coops. I don't really want to, but we should. (laughs) Yeah. I know that he has run away. Exactly. He got the top (laughs) score for Vegas. He was already P1 in Coops and took the top score for the race. I'm not going to lie. When I logged in and saw the standings, I was like, does he have a crystal ball? How in the world do you score that many points already in in first place out of 300 and then nail it like that? So, yeah. Cappy, whoever you are, very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> very impressive for this yep. race. I'm, I'm a little bitter about it. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> per- prediction consensus is now in second place. Moved up five spots, the robot. Um, I am still in fourth place. You have moved up to seventh place. P2 through, uh, I don't know. There's there's a close battle for yeah. the podium for sure. A lot, a lot of names are, are still fighting for that podium. Yeah, I'm still you, hoping to get right that there. trophy, that little trophy next to my name. What does the tro- what does the uh, robot represent? Do you know? That that is literally Martin for the first time this year. That is prediction consensus is a bot. It takes everyone's what everyone chooses and does like the average of where they are, and that's how <laughs> it chooses it. So I guess there's a bot good. in second place. I don't know what that means. Is that good for us? Is that bad? I well, guess good for Cappy because he's dominating. Yeah, on a whole, <laughs> on a whole, we're pretty smart. Where everyone yeah. doing this knows what they're doing, but individually, not so much. <laughs> and I guess Nick dropped down to twenty third. So it looks like he will not be get, uh, getting uh, a trophy this year. I'll talk it up year. to a, a two-time podium finisher that he's yeah. probably been strapped for some time because I saw that. Who did he have on his rankings that I was like, ah, oh, he just must have not had time to change yeah. up. Uh, well, oh, he won Carlos. it last year. He had Carlos pretty high up and must have not just had a time to change it after Carlos got his 10-place uh, grid penalty. Yeah, yeah. That's it for Coops, and then we have one race left. Uh, Abu Dhabi. Yep. Yeah. Uh, interesting track. It's got a mix of everything. Tight corners, tight yeah. sections, high speed sections, long straights. Um, I can't remember. I guess the weather is probably generally pretty warm there. Yeah. So it's a nighttime uh, race though, right? Or it's like a dusk race. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know what the track temp typically is there, but um, I would say in general, we should see the, the cream rise to the top. Red Bull will probably do well. Uh, yeah. we should see McLaren getting back into the hunt. So oh, Mercedes so. as well, Ferrari probably won't do as well as Las Vegas. So it should be a good battle for these, uh, the standings for the constructors cup for yeah. two, three, four and, and everything going on there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, let's see, do we have any tight races in the driver's standing? Obviously not for the top. Sergio has locked up, uh, finally, Yeah, uh, P2. Uh, Carlos and Fernando are tied at 200 points at P4. Where's... Charles and Carlos, Uh, they were... Carlos Carlos and Alonso are tied at 200 at P4. And what so, about Charles? Charles is P7. Okay, so he's still pretty far back. Yeah, I mean, he's... What is that? Seven points away from Lando in P6. Okay. So he could move up a little bit. And that's really it. There really isn't that much excitement for yeah. the drivers. I guess P4 with Carlos and Alonso tied. We'll see if they end up not scoring, then Carlos will get it by default because he won a race, but... Thanks for listening to the Undercuts review of the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen, and join us next time for our review of the 2023 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.